The scripture reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The word of the Lord. Good morning give you an idea of where we're going with the preaching this fall. Uh, for two Sundays, today and next Sunday, we're going to be looking at passages that help us think about our life together as a church. Then we're going to take 10 Sundays to work through the Ten Commandments. Okay, so if there's a particular commandment you don't like, you can just count ahead, all right? I'm kidding. Um, we're, we're looking, uh, we're talking about today about church. What, what is church? Well, if you look in the New Testament, the New Testament doesn't really give us a formal definition of church. It doesn't define church as much as it illustrates church. It gives us uh, various metaphors or word pictures that help us understand the way God views the church. Uh, so, for example, one picture, we can picture the church as a group of sheep being cared for by God. That's what First, First Peter chapter 5 calls the church God's flock. Or another picture, we can picture the church as a bride, the bride of Christ. Revelation 21 talks about a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. You could picture the church as a building, a temple. Ephesians 2.22 says, In Christ we are being built together to become a dwelling place, a temple in which God lives by the Spirit. Another metaphor you've probably heard before, you, you can picture church as family. 
Galatians 6, verse 10, talks about the family of believers. Or uh, 1 Timothy 3 talks about the household of God, which is the church of the living God. So these are, these are all just different pictures, different word pictures, metaphors, that, that, that show us how to think about the church. In today's passage, we're given another very well-known metaphor for the church, and we're told that to understand our life together as a church, we can think of ourselves as a human body, the, the body of Christ. Now, it's interesting to notice that this metaphor, the body of Christ, this, this, doesn't, this does not only refer to the universal church, you know, all Christians everywhere throughout all time. It's not just talking about that. This, this is a metaphor that can apply to any local congregation. You notice in verse 27, Paul, Paul tells the Corinthians, he says to those, that little group of men and women years ago, he says, you are the body of Christ. So the church in ancient Corinth was the body of Christ. ACC is the body of Christ. This refers to a local congregation. Now, what is this picture, this metaphor? What does it bring to mind? Well, I would say when you think of the church as a body, more than anything else, it brings to mind the, the idea of oneness, of unity, oneness. So I can tell by looking at you that every one of you has a body, all right? And I'm going to guess that you only have one body, right? The body you brought to church. You don't have an extra one at home in the closet for special occasions. You only have one body, right? And I'm going to guess that you want you only want to have one body. If someone would say to you, you know what, that's just too bad. You only have one body. Here's an idea. Why don't we chop you in half? Then you'll have two. You would probably turn that down, right? You only have one body, and you want it to remain one body. And that's the idea communicated through this metaphor. The church is the body. It's this idea of, of oneness, of being united. So in what way are we united as part of a church? Well, the, the passage would suggest there are two ways. First, the first is this. As part of a church, as part of the body of Christ, we are united to God, united with God. I don't know if you noticed, but in, in this passage, all three members of the divine Godhead are said to be closely, actively connected to and involved with the church. All three members of the Trinity. For example, you see God the Son mentioned here. The second person of the Trinity, verse 27, says you are the body of Christ. You see God the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He's mentioned. Verse 13, we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, uh, slave or free. We were all given the one Spirit to drink. And then you also see God the Father, the first a person of the Trinity, verse 18 says, but in fact, God, and here I think it's referring to God the Father. God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And again, middle of verse 24, God has put the body together. So you see what the apostle's doing. He's just, he's just telling us that as members of a church, as part of a, a local worshiping congregation, as part of the body of Christ, we are, in some mysterious sense, connected to every member of the Trinity, connected spiritually to God. Now, let me tell you why that's, um, that's important for our generation to understand, because it's very common in today's world, you've probably heard this before, 
to hear somebody say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, I just don't want anything to do with the church, right? I, I don't want to be connected with a church. And you can understand why people would say that because, let's be honest, sometimes involvement in the life of the church can be very, very disheartening, right? But if the apostles were here and they overheard us saying that, I love Jesus, I just don't want the church, <laughs> they would probably you know, choke on their sandwich or whatever they're eating, like, what are you talking? They would say, listen, it, are you crazy? It doesn't work that way. You, they would say, listen, if you want to be, if you really want to be connected to Christ, you have to be connected to the body of Christ. Let me see if I can illustrate that. All right, you see my finger, all right? My finger is connected to my head, to my brain. You doubt that? Watch. When my brain tells my finger to move, it moves. Isn't that good? I've been practicing that all week long, right? It tells it to stop moving, it stops moving. So my finger is connected to my head. But it's connected to my head only because it's connected to my hand. And only because my hand is connected to my arm. Only because the arm is connected to the shoulder, to the neck. No. The human neural system is more complicated than that, but you get my point. If my finger would say, you know what, I love being connected to David's head, to his brain. That way I can move when I need to move, but I, I just can't stand being connected to David's hand. I hate that hand. And then somehow my finger were to disconnect itself from, from the hand. Listen, the second my finger is disconnected from my hand, the second it's disconnected from the body, it is instantly what? Disconnected from the head. And this passage is saying that's the way it is spiritually in, in, our, in, our, life, in our life with God. Um, so it's, it's common for us to say that when you, uh, when you come to faith in Christ, you are given a personal relationship with God. And that's not inappropriate. You are. Through, through the communion of the Holy Spirit, you know God in a relational way. You have a, a personal relationship with Him. But... You might be given a personal relationship with God. You are not given a private relationship with God. We, we are not all of us connected to God as independent agents. No, we are connected to God be, by virtue of being connected to the body of Christ, the church. This is, a, this is why the, the Bible, if you read the New Testament, it, it will emphasize again and again that for, a, for an individual to reject the church is a very, very grave mistake to make. Um, in, in Luke chapter 10, you, you know this passage? There's this place in Luke 10 where Jesus had 72 of his followers around, them, around him, and he decided to pair them up, groups of two, and he sent uh, 36 little twosomes, 36 little clusters of Christians out into all the, the towns and villages to preach the gospel. And you know what he said to them when he sent them out? He said to them, whoever rejects you rejects me and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me so if a person were to come to Jesus even if they said this with all sincerity and say to Jesus Jesus I love you I want you I just don't want your people Jesus would say if you if you don't want my people you don't want me you reject them you reject me you can't have me now that's pretty startling isn't it you might be saying, Pastor, are you, are, you re are you saying that if somebody rejects the church, they can't be, they're not a real Christian? I, you know, that, I'm not sure I would go that far, but I would say, would you agree with this? If somebody rejects the church, they're not an obedient Christian, right? Could we say that? 
First, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen. So this is not talking about, oh, I love Christians in general, you know, out there somewhere in the world. This is talking about the messed up person sitting next to you right now. The brothers and sisters you've seen. Yeah, both brothers look at the sister. Don't do that. That's mean. Um, so um, this is talking about us, right? If anyone doesn't love their brother and sister whom they have seen, says God's word, they cannot love God whom they have not seen. So our connection to the church, this, the church is not just a club that you join if you're into that kind of thing, right? You know, a voluntary association of like-minded individuals. It's not that. And the church is not just an event that you attend if you're bored on a Sunday morning. You hear, some, you hear some good music, you listen to a TED Talk, they give you crackers and juice, you go home. No, 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 no. The, the church of Jesus Christ, this is the way in which followers of Jesus are vitally, um, in a life-giving sense, connected to Jesus himself. So this is why for, for those who are serious about following Jesus, listen, it is, it is important that you, as you follow Christ, you do more than just merely attend worship services here and there, different places. This is why it's so vital that you join a church. And if this isn't the church for you, then find another one. But join a church. One, one author that, that I really respect wrote this. He said, we, we read in the Bible that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If we are Christ's followers, we too will love the church that he gave himself for. So do not merely attend a church, though you should attend, but join a church link arms with other Christians. So the metaphor is body. Why is the church compared to a body? Well, the idea, the idea is one of unity. And in, in the church, we are united to God. And then secondly, the apostle says, in, in the church, we are united to each other. I hope you don't mind if I, if I read a chunk of the passage for us again. I just, I feel like this is so, this is stated so vividly. It doesn't need much embellishment. But so let me start again at verse 15. Uh, the apostle says this. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts of the body that we think less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we are treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, what would you say the, the apostle's main idea is there? I, I, you know, I, I think you wouldn't be wrong if you said this. His main idea is this. If, if every part of the body 
needs every other part of the body. For, for the body as a whole to flourish, every part of the body needs every other part. Uh, years ago, I used to pastor a church in New Jersey, and for a while, our congregation rented a church building from another congregation. And the owners of the building that we rented, it was a Lutheran church for hearing impaired people. So the, uh, this was a church where all, the whole service was conducted in American Sign Language. It would sing in sign language. It would preach in sign language. It would read the Bible in, in sign language. And as far as I know, every member of that congregation was deaf except for the pastor and his wife. They could hear, but they had learned sign language. So one, one day I had to go into the church building. I, I needed to go into the basement for some reason. And I'm clomping down the stairs to the basement. And I didn't realize it, but the, the pastor's wife was alone in the back of the basement inside the kitchen. She thought she, she was the only one in the church, so she was a little worried. Who's coming in? And she yelled out from the kitchen, Who is that coming down the stairs? Who is that? I know you can hear me. I know you're not deaf. Who are you? Well, I came to the, the kitchen. I poked my head in and said, it's just, it's just me. But I said, how, how did you know I wasn't one of the members of your congregation? How did you know I wasn't deaf? Here's what she said. And by the way, if, uh, if what she said is an overgeneralization, it probably is. I hope you won't be offended by it um, because I'm certain that many hearing and, uh, impaired people have overcome this. But she said from her years of living in a community of deaf people and learning their language and sharing her life with them, she said in her observation, um, deaf people sound different than hearing people when they walk. And I don't know if she said that they stomp the ground more firmly or they walk more ginger, gingerly, but she told me that for some reason, for us to walk efficiently and smoothly, we depend on our ears hearing our footfall. I mean, we need that to be able to walk well. And that's just, I, I guess that's true. It just blew me away because my whole life, my whole life, I've known that for me to walk, I need my feet, hmm? right? Feet are important. I, my whole life, I've known that for me to walk, I need my legs. Legs, I know they're important. It never crossed my mind that for me to walk efficiently, confidently. I need my ears? I didn't think ears were important for that. And I, th I think the Apostle Paul would say, of course they are. He would say, listen, every part is needed by every other part. Listen, my eyes need my heart. My heart needs my lungs. My lungs need my stomach. My stomach needs my mouth. It's the same with you, right? In fact, what does Paul say in verse 22? He says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable except for those of us who've been to nursing school or med school, the rest of us, we have anatomical organs we don't even know exist, right? Little things in us, we don't even know they're there. And we couldn't survive without them. In, in fact, very often, the, the, um, the, the parts of your body that you think about less are more important to your survival than parts that you think about every day. For example, um, it, it probably many of you, when you got up and you got ready to come to church this morning, you gave some thought to your hair, right? Maybe you shampooed your hair, you put uh, conditioner, you dried it, you combed it. You, you would think a lot about our hair. You probably did not think much this morning about your spleen. Now listen, you can live without hair. 
Go home, shave your head, you're not going to die. But if your spleen is ruptured, we better get you to the hospital ASAP or you won't make it, right? So in other words, there are parts of us that we think about all the time. It's so important that my hair is nice. No, it's not. It's more important that this little organ you don't even think about. Your life depends on that, right? And, 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 and so Paul says, listen, he, I would say this is his point. He's, he's writing to this church in Corinth, and he's saying, guys, I want you to understand in the church of Jesus Christ, there are no unimportant people. Amen? In, in the church of Jesus Christ, there are no unimportant people. And they used to, I guess, kind of get all snooty and divided over who they were and what background they came from. And Paul, he, boy, doesn't he correct that in verse 13? He says, listen, guys, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, doesn't matter where you come from. He says, we were all given one spirit to drink. So he's saying there are no unimportant people in the church of Christ. Years ago, this author, Francis Schaeffer, he wrote a book. He's talking about life in the kingdom of God. The title of the book was this, No little people. He said, in the kingdom of God, there are no little people. Everyone's big. Everyone's important. Everyone's significant to God. Now, let's be honest. Can we be honest? We're in church. We should be honest, right? Sometimes congregations will forget this, that there are no unimportant people. Now, I've never been in a church where they say it out loud, like, you're important, you're not. You're not important, you are. I've never been in a church like that where they say it openly. But have you ever seen this? Sometimes churches will begin to send subtle signals that, that you're not really important here unless, unless what? Unless you're college educated. Or you're not really important here unless you're married with children. Or you're not really important here unless you're young and attractive. Or you're not really important here if you speak with an accent. Right? So, so very often congregations will fail to live up to the beauty of this metaphor of, of the church as a body. And so what I would say in response to that, ACC, let's not be that kind of church. Amen? In fact, to the degree that we are that kind of church, let's repent of that wholeheartedly. Let's let the Spirit teach us to be a, a kind of community where every single person is held in honor and is, is treated as important, all right? So verse, verse 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. In, in other words, a, a church should never say ever, well, if she wants to leave, it's okay. We can still make the budget without him. No, we can make it without her. No, everyone is important. So sometimes congregations will forget this, that everyone's important. Sometimes individual Christians will forget that everyone's important. What I mean is they, they forget how important they are to the functioning of the whole church. Uh, I, I'm, I'm talking about Christians who will join a church or they'll attend a church, but that's about all they do. They attend a church. They don't do anything else. They just come, sit, leave. They don't give very much. They don't pray very often. They don't pitch in and roll up their sleeves and, and, and help out. And, and they might be thinking to themselves, you know what? Uh, they don't really need me. They'll be all right with me. They got lots of people to do this stuff. They've got other people who can give more. They'll be fine with, you don't really need me. Do you? I think that's kind of what the foot is saying in verse 15. 
In verse 15, if, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, like I'm just a foot. What is a foot? Foot? Feet are not important like hands. Hands, they get to wear rings. They paint their fingernails. They wash them before every meal. I'm just a lousy foot. They stick me in a shoe. I get all stinky. You know, I'm not that important. They, they don't need me. And Paul is saying, listen, if you're part of the body of Christ, don't you ever say that about yourself. Don't you ever say that about yourself. That you're not needed. Listen, we need you. Are you part of ACC? We need you. We need your prayers. Pray for your church. We need your giving. Maybe you can't give as much as others, but if everyone gives, you know, generously, we will have no need here. We, we need you to get involved. Are you, are you involved in some way helping out? If you're not, we need you. We need you. Every, every part is important. So don't forget that about others, but don't forget it about yourself. It, it, uh, it says in verse 26, if one... If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. In other words, if, 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 just, if, if just one member of, any, of a church is not functioning the way that he or she was designed to function, right? If, if just one member is not really praying or not using his or her spiritual gifts, if one, if one member is not functioning the way that he or she is designed to function, the whole church will suffer for it. So that's, that's what's conveyed by this, uh, this beautiful picture, the church as a body. All right, so next time you're in the shower, you're washing your body, you think about the church, right? Church. It's this idea of oneness. As, as part of a church, we are united. We're united to the triune God in this, in this supernatural way. And we are all united to each other in this really life-giving way. Now, let me close with one quick question, and that's the question, why? You ever ask that, Why? Why did God design salvation this way? That for us to be connected to Christ, we have to be part of a community of believers. Wouldn't it, would it not have been easier for God to just send an angel to every single individual on their own, tell them about Jesus, and all on your own, you trust Jesus, and you go to heaven by yourself? Wouldn't that be easier? Sometimes I think that because church is hard, man. Why, why did God design it that the only way for us really to partake of the life-giving presence of the Spirit and, 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 and the, and, and the soul-transforming trans, power of the Word is by being connected to a body. Why did God design it that we have to be together? Well, I think that we see the answer to that in verse 25. Verse 25 says, God did this, quote, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have Look at this, equal concern for each other. Another translation renders it this way, so that the members may have the same care for one another. So in other words, God designed the church to function as a body, why? Because God wants everyone in the church to be cared for. Think about that for a second. God wants everyone here to be loved. Well, why does God want everyone here to be loved? You know the answer. Because God loves everyone here. Amen? Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you that by your mercy you've brought us to Christ and made us part of his church, and we pray that you will give us grace not only to live worthy of that, but to rejoice in the fact that we are part of his body. We pray for any who have not come to Christ that maybe this would be the day where uh, your spirit invites them into this life-giving relationship with the head of the body and with the church. In his name, amen.